This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January 19th, the Shame on You Too edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine and three quarters, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast, and I'm the father to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who is two, and we live in Detroit. Well, today on the show, we are, of course, going to share our parenting triumphs and fails for the week, but then we've got a really special segment. We're going to talk about being shamed by strangers, and we're going to hear stories from y'all. Then, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to be discussing why millennial moms have taken to TikTok to talk about the parenting essential they're missing. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. It feels like a big ask to ask someone to help with kids as opposed to some of these smaller asks where it's easier to ask for help. Uh, kids feel like a big like a big ask. I feel like it's it's less of a big ask if you are offering to watch someone else's kid too. If it is if there is some equity to it. Like hey, drop your kids off this weekend and maybe you'll take mine the next weekend. Um that just seems like such a I'm sure I'm sure it's easier said than done, but do either of you well, you, you explained it, Elizabeth, but does Naima have any friends at school whose parents you're close with that you would like ever consider trying to set up a trade like that? She doesn't. You know, we just haven't forged those sort of relationships. Yeah. Um, and I think a big difference between elementary school versus daycare is that I used to interact with the other parents, you know, during pickup and drop off, we'd see each other, we were going inside the building. And it's sad, you know, I, I, I wish I knew how to really connect with other parents, you know, better. Being a Slate Plus member means that you get a bonus segment from us each week, unlimited access to the Slate website, and perhaps best of all, zero ad interruptions. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. Okay, we're going to dive into our triumphs and fails of the week, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All right, Zach, what has been going on with you this week? So I have a triumph wrapped in a fail or a fail wrapped in a triumph, whatever you want to call it. But I, I've been thinking about this tweet that I read a while ago by this author. His name's Brad Stolberg. He wrote, being a real man is not about your intricate morning routine that starts with deadlifts at 4 a.m. It is about repeatedly getting your four-year-old out the door for preschool while maintaining calm and equanimity. And that resonated with me. And this morning, I noticed that Noah's lunchbox had like jelly on it from last week. And it was just really kind of gross and dirty and long overdue for a cleaning. So I just threw it in the laundry bin. And then before we left for school, I was like, hey, Noah, just so you know, um, your lunchbox is dirty. And I just gave you like this other one. And she freaking lost it. She was so upset. Um, she, it really caught me off guard. I, I didn't know that she cared so much about her lunchbox. Um, it does have a unicorn on it. Like it's pretty cute, but she's not particularly drawn to it as far as I knew before, you know, 8am today. 
and she just was going bonkers she was she was beyond herself she couldn't she couldn't even speak she was just like gasping for breath and so sad that i made this last minute shift we 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 head off yesterday for the holidays so she's coming off a long weekend and she often has a hard time the first day back um but it was like so uh surprising and for the first like minute or so i was just like give me a fucking break this is ridiculous like no it come on we have to go really not um validating her feelings at all because i was just like this is crazy i thought we were past this and it was i was just a i was asshole dad in the moment but then i took a minute and just like took a breath and got on the couch with her and we we talked through it and i was just like i'm sorry that you know you're not going to get what you want today but it's really dirty there's nothing we can do like the decision's already been made we're going to have to just do our best with with what we have and it took her a long time to calm down and i could have gone down that road that i began on and and i regret even you know having started down the road of of my kind of uh apathy but i i shifted gears and we made it to school and she has some ugly generic lunchbox and it was just one of those like just get just get her in the car getting her in the car days is like a victory and we got there after some big peaks and valleys is the lunchbox in the process of getting cleaned oh yeah i'm, I'm okay i just took like it out of the wash when she comes home with yep. a clean lunchbox yep because i think that's key to the <laughs> following up <laughs> right? but like yes. i Yes, I. Cause, cause there, was a re- there was a reason for the like, pain that I put you through this morning. Yeah, I know. So often it's like, how was it this that derailed right. us? Yes, it does. It catches <laughs> us off guard. Oh, this is going to be the thing this that you lose even. your shit over? Huh. Yeah. Ugh. All right, Jamila, how about you? For once, I actually have a triumph. It's a small one, but I'll take it. Um, yesterday was MLK Day, and... A friend of mine who has a daughter reached out and was like, hey, do you all want to like go to the parade or to the museum for their activity? And I was like, you know, as long as it doesn't rain. Now, L.A. people don't go places in the rain. If it rains, like your plans are just done for. It's the strangest thing. Rain is a valid excuse. You could probably cancel a business meeting. It's just sorry, we're not doing this, you know, especially if it's heavy rain, which we have experienced in the last week. But, you know, so like, okay, cool. If it doesn't rain, we'll go. And I get a text from my friend like, hey, it's sunny. We're going to do it. And we're like, yeah. And I was like, cool. I just put some laundry in. So, you know, we need at least 90 minutes. Um, And then 30 minutes after that, she texts me. Well, we haven't really decided if we're going or not. And I was so grateful for that permission because I did not feel like leaving the damn house. And I was so happy for someone else to be like, eh, this whole outside thing. And so we ended up scrapping our plans and we played board games the whole day Mm -hmm. we played guess who and scrabble and this really awful mini brands game uh mini brands of the devil and uno and we just had fun in the house and i am grateful for that it was such a sweet day naima was the sweetest that sounds so great it was definitely needed nice What's mini brands? Okay, so mini brands are these small, like very small size replicas of household brands. And kids can collect them. 
so I mean, sometimes I think people call them Shopkins too, right? They're, Shopkins similar? are similar. Shopkins right. are similar, oh, yeah. but I Shopkins so. have. But these are now like brand, like actual yes. brands. So like a yes. little <laughs> bottle of Sunny Delight and a yes. box of TGI Friday. How small is it? Small, oh, small, very small. So like the size of your finger. Like, uh, yeah, smaller than your finger. Like huh. even though we do use them for Barbie play, like these items would be too big for Barbie. But like I guess you know, in the realm of maybe like a baby doll size, somewhere in between Barbie and a baby doll, like yeah. the size of a product that they would use, and they are literally just replicas of brands so we've naima's got a few sets of them she wanted some for christmas and she got some this year they're the dumbest thing you know i think half the fun <laughs> is just opening them up and seeing what you got like oh i got a revlon uh-huh. color stay concealer oh i got you know a box of some miso soup you know and like okay. they have a board game and so i thought well the board game will at least be interesting and it is the weirdest dumbest board game i've ever experienced in my life it's really bad many brands are Sounds literally terrible. don't allow the them in your house don't ever my my friend's daughter's huh. life okay yeah like it's just capitalism for children it's like why right. am i getting them excited about brands and the Shopkins are a gateway drug to this. Yes, they are. This friend was into shop, which are also just many things, but they have faces on them. Yes. So like little hamburgers with smiley faces. Yes, Naima was into Shopkins first and a gateway to many brands. The gateway, the gateway to many brands. Well, I'm going to take a triumph knowing that 100% this will turn into a failure. <laughs> Teddy really struggles with becoming overwhelmed by his emotions like all emotions uh not just like hey i'm something happened and i'm feeling angry like something very excited <laughs> is happening and it's just like too much and so he's in occupational therapy and we're working on all kinds of strategies but the the one that has been really difficult for us has been that in the moment he can't really tell us what is wrong. So he, something happens, he kind of will scream or knock things off the table. Like he is just so overwhelmed. And when we ask like, hey, what happened? He'll say things like, well, you know, but honestly, I like half these times I have not a clue. So th- so like Zach, your lunch bag thing would have been just like, like I would have mentioned that and mm-hmm. then he would have just flipped out and it could have been any number of things. So, right, right. In a calm moment when we were sort of talking about this, because we have all these great books and we read about it and talk about it and he's willing to talk about it and he knows kind of the steps to go through, you know, I said, what is it that you want? Is there something I can like incentivize you with? And he's like, well, I want a job because Henry has this dog walking job and that he makes money from that and the money enables him to do things. Right. And I said, "Okay, what if I pay you to tell me what is wrong? So in the moment... Hmm. Instead of that doesn't mean you can't freak out, but instead of like making a a choice for destruction, you tell me what the problem is. Even if you yell it at me, even if you if you just use words to name what has happened, I will pay you 25 cents. Because I thought, you know, like he's old enough to know like, okay, well, four 25 cents. If I do this four times a day, I can make a dollar. It is working like a charm. Every time he is upset now, he, I mean, he's still screaming. He'll scream at me, <laughs> you know, like they took my thing or, um, you know, just I dropped my water bottle and I like he's frustrated at himself, you know, and it it made a mess. And now I have to clean it up like he's telling me and I'm, I 
got a big jar of quarters and it's like very immediate gratification. I just give him the quarters. And then at the end of the day, he gives the quarters to Jeff who puts it in his bank account because he wants a bank account just like his brother. I'm only concerned that he's not doing it for the right reasons. So this is like a fake it till we make it Mm -hmm. situation Mm. that eventually I can wean off paying him. But I also a little bit, I mean, I think I feel like it's going to turn into a failure because I don't, I don't even feel bad about it. (laughs) Like, I feel like I would continue to pay through his teen years to tell me (laughs) what the problem is instead of just flipping (laughs) flipping out. Um, Because what I've discovered is like 90% of these are immediately fixable. Like some of them are, are bigger thing. You know, his brothers did something and that takes much, much more working out. But a lot of them are just things where he is like unhappy with himself that something happened or that he did, you know, he wrote the wrong answer for a problem and he knows it's the wrong answer and that makes him really upset. Um, And so kind of getting a glimpse at like, oh, a lot of this is like internal uh, and we just need to keep having these conversations about like we learn through mistakes, like those sort of things. But I'm just hoping that eventually he does it without, or he doesn't like up the rate. You know, I'm always worried about that too. (laughs) I think this is my, my uh, rosy view of it. I think he's going to see how it benefits him Mm -hmm. to come out with it in, in the moment. Um, And, and, and the, the benefit that he's feeling emotionally is going to supersede the transactional nature of it. So eventually he's going to be like, Oh, this, it feels good just to, just to tell you how I'm feeling. Um, and the, the the quarters will fall by the wayside. That's my uh, prophecy. I, hope. I mean, for us, like it, currently it's worth it because instead of 20 minutes of screaming, right? Like a lot of times we can just fix the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> together. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of them are very, very easy. You know, I gave him the blue cup and he really wanted the pink cup. That's like a easy fix. Bribing works, right? And we mm-hmm. do things, adults do things every day in exchange for money or other things they think are getting in return. Right. But I just, oh, I'm like, am I setting up a, a bad system? But for now, it's working and it has really just brought the energy level down, right? Because if he goes, to, it's like you can almost see he wants to yell and he thinks, hmm. but I could make 25 cents. Hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> He's money motivated. What can I say? So, you know? so are we. So is all everyone. Sadly, I want you to report back on this. This is a very interesting experience. Yeah, when he ups his running. rate, I'll let you know. I'll let yeah. you know how this goes. Yeah, I was going to say it works as long as it's twenty five cent. But when there becomes some real stakes here, um, <laughs> when he starts charging dollars for his feelings, you might have a problem. I will say the only thing I'm trying to do is not give any emotional reaction when he doesn't choose the 25 cents because I don't want him to know how much it's worth <laughs> to me <laughs> because that's exactly what's going to happen to me. That's what I'm worried about. How like, often how, is he opting how, out of it? Not very often. I mean, I think now the the opting out right now is when he feels like affronted by his brothers. And that that might just be something I can't, you know, people fight. That's okay. Yeah. So I think at least in in this moment, not only is he getting 25 cents, like I have to stop and give it to him right then. His problem is getting solved. So I'm I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping this works. But I also, I feel like I entered into it knowing like, I don't know that this is the best solution, but it's the solution I have right now. Well... On that note, we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll see you back here in a minute.
All right. So a few weeks ago, as part of Slate Plus, we got into a discussion about being shamed by strangers in public. It's such an odd aspect of parenting that takes many different shapes while all at once being sort of universal. Let's listen to the stories you, our amazing listeners, sent in. So we'll start with the, a couple emails that got sent in, then we're going to listen to some amazing audio from you, and then we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the Facebook stories that were left, which are also uh, horrifying in a really fun way. So first one comes from listener Melissa. They write, hello, I love listening to your show, and I have a 15-month-old daughter. I heard on the episode of Partying Like an Introvert that you were looking for parent-shaming stories. I've got one for you. It was two days after bringing our girl, Tess, home, and we were back at the hospital for her first routine checkup. There was some concern about jaundice, and so we had to get some labs done. While we were in the waiting room, I was standing and swinging in the car seat to calm my baby and get her to stop crying, advice I got from our nurse on the day we took her home. Waiting was a woman with an elderly man. Suddenly, she calls across the room, Swinging your baby like that will make it so she won't settle any other way. I was mortified and so embarrassed, but I was also pissed because my baby was less than a week old, and here I was being mom-shamed for doing something to make her experience more pleasant. I wish I told her to mind her own business, but I didn't have the nerve. The old man she was with was my savior, though. He commented back sarcastically, You just have to be the mom of everyone, don't you? which went right over her head. She responded, yes, I do. Uh, sorry, Melissa, that's a great way to welcome you into the parenting tribe. Ugh, say these things to someone else, not to the parent. Absolutely. <laughs> Just whisper it to the old man. <laughs> right? That's all she you had to do. You someone there. You had someone there. You could have had your snide comment all to yourself. There was no need to get this woman involved. All right, here's another listener letter. This is from listener Dana, who wrote, a year and a half ago, my partner's ex died unexpectedly. They had eight and nine-year-old boys together. He and I had a two-year-old son. His ex also had a five-month-old daughter. By that afternoon, we were a family of six. I love each child so much. A few months later, I decided our two-year-old needed an outlet, and we started a mommy and me-style toddler gymnastics class. Less than five minutes in, a mom, who I'd never met, told me how I should interact with my son. The following week, the same mom told me I was scaring the children. Chuckled and rolled my eyes internally as I looked around at two dozen happy babies who had no idea I was there. The third week, my son had a meltdown, and this mom was just staring at me. I realized that the class was too simulating for him, and we stopped going. I was in a fragile place with my parenting at that time, and these interactions ran through my thoughts like a movie as I tried to figure out what I did to deserve this. After all the analysis, I still see no reason for a stranger to say anything. It really affected my mom confidence. Recently, I saw the gym mom at a coffee shop. We said hi, and she voiced remembering me from the class. I told her we came three times, and each time she criticized my parenting. I told her about the family tragedy and that I had been in a vulnerable place, and these interactions added to my pain during one of the hardest times of my life. I voiced that it's important to be kind because you never know what people are going through. She said, quote, I was trying to be kind. You just don't see yourself. I said, if I wasn't a lady, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself and left. From fuck mom shame and mom shaming. Uh, amazing. Yeah, this, good for you. Dana, yeah. Good for you for, for telling her how you were feeling and then telling her to go fuck herself. The, Very The much one, so. too. So clearly, good. Clearly, she's the one who couldn't see what was happening. Not you. Yes. 
Listen, I just think, I mean, anyone writing in knows this, right? If you feel the need to comment on someone because something is happening, I think the thing you should always say is, you are doing a great job. Or is there some way I can help you? You know, I just, you're never going to go wrong with telling another parent, like, you're doing a great job. Yep. Hang in there. You know, You've got <laughs> like, this. I just feel like that is the only thing I want to hear from you when I'm out. And people who are on the opposite end, people like like this described in these letters and in your stories today, like, I, th- I feel like anyone who's earnestly critiquing parenting in public just has no self-awareness. None whatsoever, because like barring a situation where a child is in danger, you know, this sure. sort of advice is like universally unwelcome. Like this is not something that people like. People don't learn from it. It doesn't make them better parents. It just makes them insecure, angry, uncomfortable. There's no benefit to this. Because even if you're telling them something that is true, they are not in a place to hear it. And if you have the magic on how to stop a tantrum, you telling the mom in that moment is not going, it's only going to make her more panicked and make the situation worse. Right. Um, do you want to listen to some stories from our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's, let's check out this first one. This is Tracy Kong from Puerto Rico. I was running on the streets of Monaco when I was about six and a half months pregnant. Very, going very slow. I'm a runner by trade, so this is not anything new. And an older lady uh, stopped me on, in the middle of the street very dramatically and told me that I needed to quit being so vain that I needed to put the life of my child ahead of my own vanity. And then she made the cross and prayed for me. So that's my one experience. The first time I was pregnant, I took very much offense to it. I was actually quite astounded, but it stuck with me all this time. Oh my God. I'm going to generalize that. She said she was in Monaco, right? Mm -hmm. That foreign grannies are the worst. (laughs) The grannies in France, they don't like it when you baby wear. (laughs) I don't know why. They will tell you all of all of the time in any language. (laughs) I think it's like you said, Elizabeth, like we just have to be better old people than what we've been exposed to because there are a lot of them out there that are just completely reckless about the tongue. Yeah, totally. All right, let's hear another one. This happened a few years ago when my daughter was about two and um, she and I were on the subway on a weekday in the middle of the afternoon and the train is almost empty. Uh, My daughter was sitting in her stroller. She had just woken up from a nap and was happily eating a snack while I was, um, I don't know, looking up an address on my phone or something. And then suddenly a woman a couple seats down from us on the train jumps up and shouts at me, Oh my God, don't let her kick you. Don't let her kick you. And I just stare at this woman because I have no idea what she's talking about. She's going to grow up and think it's okay to kick people. And then I realize that my daughter is waving her fat toddler legs around as she's eating crackers and her one foot is bumping into my knee as she's doing that. And this woman, who otherwise looks like a normal human being in her mid-30s, is continuing to scream at me. And I don't remember exactly now what she said, but it's all along the lines of, I'm raising a serial killer because I'm allowing my daughter to kick me. And so to try to make the screaming stop, I calmly say, we'll be okay, thank you. And I'm quietly thinking to myself, oh God, how many more stops on this train with her? And thankfully, it's just a minute before she huffs off at the next station. 
but I mean, only in New York. Hmm? <laughs> Chutzpah is the word that I that I have. It's just so audacious to think that you're going to like inform someone's parenting by 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 just out of nowhere coming at someone with this. Especially in a situation where there's not a problem, you know? Like, she's <laughs> like, getting kicked so like, lightly that she doesn't even notice. She just <laughs> Right? She wasn't like, my daughter was kicking the shit out of me. I no. was sitting there in pain, just taking it. She's kicking me in the face. Right. Stuff like this is one of the things that I think, especially if you have a child that has any kind of um, special needs or, or emotional, you know, kind of issues when they present in public... That is one of the things that I find the hardest is like, I am fully aware that what is going on looks out of control and doesn't look normal and that you have a thought about it. I am, I mean, that article we talked about in Slate Plus when we first talked about this said like, I'm doing the best I can. And I just think we have to assume, you know, you don't have the full picture and I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) Because I, that is the kind of comments like, I think people will say to me is like, you know, how can you let this child say these words to you? Or how can you let a kid do this? And it's like, you don't even know. (laughs) You have no idea what's going on here. You have no idea what we are, what we are doing and the anything that preceded this and what we are going through. And that right now we are just trying to get through this moment. (laughs) Let's hear another one. My three children are all young adults now, but this memory has stayed with me all these years. When they were little, we spent a lot of time at the library, as I'm sure a lot of parents did. We would go there for classes and a couple times a week to pick out books or look around or play in the public spaces. And I remember one time when I was there with the three kids, I don't remember them being particularly loud or particularly active, but a much older gentleman said to me, you know, this is a library, not a Chuck E. Cheese. And I was mortified because I thought of the library as such a welcoming space for kids and families and a place that was really important to us. And it just made me feel bad that maybe I wasn't as welcome there as I thought. And the fact that she remembers this, like, years or decades later it just speaks to like this asshole in the library said that and forgot it you know by the time he got home that night but these things stick with us they do they do and you know it's just it's crazy how insignificant these moments are to the people that are causing them you know like they're like hey it's no big deal Um, people every day probably i do this all the time i think these ones about particular spaces are are so interesting. We had we take our kids to the symphony and I at this last concert, which was a showing of the first Harry Potter, it was a one o'clock showing, um, and the symphony plays along. There was um a gentleman and he looked like he had uh maybe a date with him and then his mother and they were like super dressed up and he sat in front of us and he was super annoyed by my kids, like turned around, you know, said things multiple times. And I just want to be, you know, he was like, you're ruining our enjoyment of the symphony. And I wanted to say, or, or something like you need to grow. He said something about needing to grow a love of the symphony before I brought them. And I was sort of like, well, we're here so that we can learn to behave in these spaces. Also, it's like one o'clock, 
go to the seven o'clock performance if you don't want my kids sitting behind you. But the one o'clock performance of Harry Potter <laughs> is a children friendly <laughs> symphony. Ninety percent of this audience is dressed as wizards. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry that you're in your gown and you have cufflinks on. <laughs> and you're wearing a monocle. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I know, but I think that's the thing. Like, that's what I will remember about the symphony was this mm-hmm. man just continuing to throw looks at me. Let's hear one more. Hi, this is Alan in Milwaukee. And while it's the opposite of people in public critiquing my parenting, I constantly get praised for bringing my kids places in public, and I'm sick of it. I'm a dad. Our kids are four and 18 months. And anytime I bring them to the store, someone has to salute me like it's an amazing feat. What really bothers me about it is no one praises my wife for the same thing. When they throw tantrums, no one gives her the same grace in public that I get. The praise, while well-intentioned, feels inherently misogynistic because I know it doesn't get shared universally to parents. I'm their father. Caring for them while taking care of day-to-day stuff should be the expectation, not something praiseworthy. This is a big trigger for me. I was always so sensitive to how people reacted to Naima with her dad when she was younger and how I would imagine they still react to her and her dad and her brother versus me, you know, or to any mom who's out with their kids. It's just people are really overly impressed by the sight of a dad and their children. And it's gross and unfair. Um, And I would imagine that if a dad has a child who's misbehaving or, you know, needs some support somehow, um, the child rather, you know, that I don't see them getting the sort of reproachful glances and attitudes that moms get, you know. In fact, I think there'd be people who'd be willing to help in a kind voice as opposed to a critical voice, you know, because I think there's something novel or sweet about the father just being a dad in the first place. This actually is the basis, though, of my number one travel tip with babies is that if you are traveling with a male, the male and the baby should sit together and the female should sit somewhere else. And then on the plane, it'll be totally fine. (laughs) You know, mom can relax Mm -hmm. and dad and the baby will receive nothing (laughs) but but assistance. No, it's true. It's like anytime the baby cried when we would fly, I would get looks. But if Jeff was holding Mm -hmm. one of our kids, it's like the flight attendants would bring things over. People would offer stuff. So I just started booking our tickets spaced. Like Jeff's going to sit with the little one Mm -hmm. that's likely to cry and likely to do this. And I'm going to sit somewhere else. (laughs) Smash the patriarchy. Well, no, yeah, I'm just going to make it work for me. Right. Like I don't. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, we got a lot of unlearning to do. Because I don't want them yelling at the dads either. I just think, I just wish that we saw every person with a child, yeah. right? And said, this is tough. This is a tough part. And, mm-hmm. and somebody did this for me. Someone took me to these places. Someone fed me. Someone put up with my tantrums. Mm-hmm. You know, I annoyed some other adult as a baby. Yeah. Okay, hey, we've got a couple more. This is from... Crystal, uh, in on the Facebook group, which, by the way, anyone can join. It's Slate Parenting on Facebook. So, Crystal writes, I was in the church bathroom changing my uncircumcised baby. An older woman leaned in and said, when are you going to get that baby cut? OMG. Wow. <laughs> um, and Crystal left a couple more. Was nursing my one-year-old on his birthday, and a relative said, shouldn't you be wrapping that up now? 
And lastly, flying with two small kids who were understandably grumpy about all the lines and waiting, my then three-year-old flopped down on the floor and I asked him to get off the floor. He refused. A woman walked up to him and yelled, you hear your mom talking to you? Get up off that filthy floor. (laughs) Oh my God. My son, who was laying face down, slowly turned his head to face her and screamed, stop talking to me, stranger. (laughs) I mean, at least in the third case, the stranger took the mom's side. (laughs) It's a little better. Okay, well, bottom line, stop shaming. Stop, just, just stop. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all you know, asterisk, unless a child's life is on the line here, then, you know, the rules are different. But, you guys, some of these are pretty funny. So I do hope at least that you can laugh about them now. We are so thankful for all of you that shared your stories. We feel less alone. Hopefully, listeners feel less alone. If you missed the chance and now feel inspired, record a voice memo, email it to slate.com. That is, of course, also where you can send us any questions or segment ideas of your own. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feed on Monday with a good show all about thwarting marriage proposals. It's a fun one, so subscribe so you don't miss it. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP for Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, since we've been talking about what it means to parent amongst others, we thought we'd take a minute to discuss this Business Insider article all about parents being fed up with the fact that they don't have sufficient community support. Zach or Jamila, can one of you fill us in on the article? Yeah, um, basically, via TikTok, a lot of uh, our fellow millennial parents, mostly moms, have been complaining that they don't have this so-called village that it takes to raise a child, that if they don't pay for child care, then they don't have a second, um, uh, they don't have another pair of hands to help them out. This has a lot to do with folks not living near where they grew up, even though, uh, according to the article, 60% of young adults live within 10 miles of where they grew up and 80% live within 100 miles. Um, But I mean, living even more than 10 miles away can be a big barrier between your family and getting childcare support from your relatives. And that oftentimes what parents have done is move far away because of job opportunities, you know, or they've gone off to school and didn't return home. That was the case for me. And I can totally relate. I do not have, especially now that we're in LA, like I don't have a village, you know, I have my little one's dad and his wife. And I have a cousin who lives here and I've yet to call on her in any emergency situation or say I need help, I need support. But just in general, I feel alone and isolated and that the work of parenting falls on me um, and on Naima's dad and that, you know, I I just don't have anyone to help me. And I, I do sometimes wonder, would my life be easier? Would it be better if I lived in Chicago where my parents and my sister and brother-in-law are nearby and we'd have some help. Um, But it seems that I'm not alone in feeling that way. There's a lot of us parents who just, you know, we're away from our families and we just don't have anyone to turn to to help us. No, I I mean, we're in the same boat, right? Like we move around all the time 
there isn't we've been in assignments where we've been closer and it's been nice, but we've never been in the same town. The end of the article talks about like, okay, well, there's, you know, we're working on legislation to make childcare more affordable, like those sort of things, but it doesn't move fast enough and it doesn't help us now and talks about building a parenting co-op, which is actually something my parents had in Atlanta, in their little neighborhood, when we were little, they had this parenting co-op where they use these coins to trade for, for babysitting and for care. I mean, I would say what I have really done here is essentially, you know, my friend Michaela, I, I joke is like my sister mom. Like we, it feels like her and I are in it for the six kids together. Like that is how we cover appointments. That is how we cover when an emergency happens. Like she, uh, in so many ways, is is my backup plan, is my family. She um, has family here and her like her mother-in-law <laughs> helps us out. Like we've just been really lucky um, for her to take us on. But it, I guess I'm wondering like, what is the, the alternative? Obviously, I guess, what is the alternative? Like, obviously we would like childcare to be cheaper. We'd like these, but is it because we're not, are, are, are like, as parents, are we not building enough community? Are we not like offering to help enough? Are we not being explicit, you know? It feels like a big ask to ask someone to help with kids as opposed to some of these smaller asks where it's easier to ask for help. Uh, kids feel like a big like a big ask. I feel like it's it's less of a big ask if you are offering to watch someone else's kid too. If it is if there is some equity to it. Like hey, drop your kids off this weekend and maybe you'll take mine the next weekend. Um, that just seems like such a I'm sure I'm sure it's easier said than done, but um, like do you ever do either of you well, you, you explained it, Elizabeth, but do you, Jamila, have any, does Jamila, does Naima have any friends at school whose parents you're close with that you would like ever consider trying to set up a trade like that? She doesn't, you know, we just haven't forged those sort of relationships. Yeah. Um, and I think a big difference between elementary school versus daycare is that I used to interact with the other parents, you know, during pickup and drop off, we'd see each other, we were going inside the building, you know, um, there were a lot more birthday parties. So we just got into the habit of seeing these people and having a rapport with them. And Naima gets dropped off in a line, you know, of cars where, you know, there's this member of the school staff getting kids out their cars in the morning. And so I don't know the parents, you know, from her class. I've met maybe two of them and they seem nice enough. One of them is the extremely famous parents that I've mentioned before, their spouse. So I can't really see myself being like, hey, girl, you know, um, you want to babysit this weekend? Uh, and it's sad, you know, I, I, I wish I knew how to really connect with other parents, you know, better. I, I suppose that maybe this year, if we, I don't know if we're going to do a 10th birthday party. I mean, I don't know how we don't do a 10th birthday party after nine years of doing birthday parties, um, even though just money is crazy right now. But, you know, maybe I'll make a goal for myself that if we do something for her birthday this year and there's other parents there that I'll force myself to, you know, interact with them so that we can at least get some play dates going. And, you know, um, we also don't everybody lives kind of scattered, 
you know, which was different about daycare, you know, everyone being in the same community meant it was, you know, pretty yeah. easy for somebody to take your kid after school for a couple hours and order them a pizza. But with everyone in LA being all over the place, I mean, LA community building is just tough, right. period. You know, it's the number one thing people talk about here. It's just hard to find friends, hard to find a support system at all. Um, but it sounds like other people are having this issue all over the place. Yeah, I... I think your thing about school is so true, like that morning drop-off time when you're standing there, um, it's almost like you're forced to make small talk and get to know people and and build some of those relationships. The kids, of course, each of mine go one day a week, and one um, Teddy school has a car line drop-off, and I literally had to like park and chase down this friend that he kept talking about because he needs a friend his age. I had to like wait. I was like crazy. Like I had to wait till I saw the kid go to the car and like run after her car after, you know, like, can I just have your phone number? Like, that's crazy. Um, versus the other two, we park and walk to the front of the school. And that's made a huge difference just in even those those little changes i um henry is now in an after school activity at school with one of the other kids and when i picked up last week we come from further that mom said why don't i just grab both of them and take them to my house and you can grab there because it's closer uh and i'm so thankful that she like i would have never asked that because to me it feels like like it's a burden to have to pick up and pick up i know picking up another kid like i'd be happy to do it but it does feel like this additional you know at four o'clock things start to get busy. There's dinner, there's after school activities, like to ask you to take something else on. So I'm, I'm so thankful that she was just like, no, the kids would love to ride together. And it saves you a half hour. It's like, it really does with traffic. Um, But if we weren't all standing there, how would that conversation ever happen? You know, or for me to feel safe? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the other thing is even if you get their number, if you don't know them, you're asking them to go to someone's house to get in a car. Like, I mean, in LA, I would think those are all, you know, where is this house? Is it further away? You know, how are you going to drive there? Like all of those things are things that I think kind of work themselves out in person um, that are very hard to do if the opportunity doesn't forge parent relationships. Ugh, well, Slate Plus. If you have tips or tricks on how you're building your community, let us know because I think it's something that clearly all of us are feeling one way or another for sure. Thanks as always for joining us. We'll see you back here on Monday. And of course, join us on Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye.